Welcome to another episode of Scientology Fair Game, the podcast. Hello, Mikey. Hi, Lily. How's things out there? Oh, fabulous. Oh, good. I mean, I can answer uh, more honestly, but this isn't about us, is it, Mike? No, it isn't. It's about our... It, today, it's about our returning champion. Yes. <laughs> Who needs no introduction. But we shall. But we shall. Yes. Go ahead, Hi, Mike. Tony Ortega. <laughs> hey, you guys. Hi, Great Tony. To you can't what see a, Tony, but we favorites. can. Now, Tony is clean-shaven and looking like uh, 30. Yeah. You look great, Tony. Yeah, Thank you, surprising, Leah. surprisingly, surprisingly youthful. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I should shave my beard off, Lee. I don't know, Mikey. I kind of. Lo- I mean, I don't know. Can we? Can I see some pictures of you without? I'm so not used to seeing you without a beard. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like just, it because I, I don't have to shave every morning. Just pull up his old Sea Org shots. There no, he looks completely different. You can't compare. You can't compare. All right. So Tony Ortega, for those of you who don't know Tony, Tony has been exposing Scientology way before uh, me and Mike. <laughs> True. He was once our enemy. True. <laughs> <laughs> On Scientology's fair game list and has a um, a site called The Underground Bunker. You've written a book, which is uh, tells the story. Two books, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. You want to add to this? Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to interject. I was just saying. No, please do. Please do. Two Take, listen, I'm, I'm just coming out of school, so I'm a little, my brain's a little bit foggy, so go ahead. Yeah, school will do that to you. Yes. <laughs> well, Tony really doesn't, uh, for anybody that lis- listens to yeah. this podcast routinely, Tony needs literally no introduction. He is probably the uh, longest serving and most uh, well-versed and informed reporter on the subject of Scientology on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And and never was a Scientologist. Right. Yeah. Has been has been writing about it since the days of working for the Phoenix Daily something weekly something free something or other way way back and then and then LA Weekly and then the Village Voice and then now he has his own blog which has a very extensive almost encyclopedic history of Scientology. Because he puts up a, a posting every single day. Yep. And religiously at 7 a.m. East Coast time, there is a new posting from Tony, and it contains information about the goings-on in Scientology, the history of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, his life, whatever you want to know. And if you're ever looking for any information about Scientology, the first place to go to search is the underground bunker. It's where I always go when I'm looking for something. That's where I go to search. Uh, and you can just about find anything. And once you find the article that Tony put up, it always has the links to the source materials and other mm-hmm. interesting things. And anyway, I can't recommend that site enough. I use it all the time. And the reason that we're talking to Tony today is because in recent months, he has been posting a series of pieces that are from 
someone who remains inside Scientology and is leaking information to be reported on the underground bunker. And that information is pretty interesting and it falls into a number of categories that we're going to cover. But before we even get to that, I want to say what I have read of that information rings 100% true. There is nothing about what this person is saying that would lead you to believe that they're just making it up. They, they have so much detail that matches with what my experience is, what I've heard from other people, because oddly, when Tony started getting some of this information, concurrently, someone started sending me information about what was going on in the New York Church of Scientology. So what are you, what are you talking about? Just let's frame this. What, what, are, what are you talking about? We're talking about uh, Scientology's response to the pandemic. Okay. The Ideal Orgs program, mm -hmm. uh, the new golden age of administration that is forthcoming, and most specifically and particularly, the, the heavy-handed uh, crush uh, fundraising of Scientology registrars, which are the people that collect the money, that uh, even had a name in Scientology called the Chase Wave. And we'll explain that because it, it has a particular meaning and it stems from something in particular. But Okay, let's start with, why don't we start with the pandemic? Yes. Tony. Yeah, uh, these leaks are really interesting uh, because, I mean, Mike and I are always looking for new information about what's going on right now in Scientology, as well as looking at the history and it's always kind of difficult to know day to day what's happening. And so these new leaks are really interesting. Uh, I, it feels almost like we've reached a tipping point. You know, there's some people coming forward now that would not have come forward just like a year ago. Right. And I think it's the pandemic. I think the pandemic has been very tough. And what, yeah, why, I was going to ask you why. Why do you think it's happening now? You know, what I think basically is think about how much Scientology is a face-to-face -face experience and how much it's about, you know, bringing people in, selling them books, um, having them sit down with an auditor. And so forcing people to be at home and, and forcing them, if they're going to interact, to do it over the internet. These yeah. are things that are very alien to Scientology. I think it really interrupted things. And, you know, something that, you know, you guys talk about all the time is how much, you know, Scientology is a system of control and they've got to mm -hmm. always kind of keep your mind busy and they've got to always come in today, come in tomorrow, come in the next day. And that's broken. Now, some, but now a Scientologist is stuck at home. Mm -hmm. One of the first things they did, I thought this was actually pretty clever on David Miscavige's part. One of the first things they did in the early pandemic was they had people send in photos of them reading L. Ron Hubbard books just to prove that they were still doing Scientology, even though they couldn't come into the org. But I could see that, you know, that's not the same level of control. I mean, you could take a snapshot of yourself with a, picture, a Hubbard book, but that doesn't mean you're spending hours with an auditor like you were before. So I think that just that, that interruption... Breaking. Breaking the cycle, because just to just to just add right here is that maybe not everybody knows that when you're a Scientologist, a civilian Scientologist, meaning a parishioner, 
uh, you're required to come in every single day. And that's how they keep the control in on you. Because every time you're going in, you know, you're scheduled from 9 to 12, 1 to 3.30, 3.30 to 6, or 7 to 10, or all of those slots. And that is every day. You don't get weekends off. You don't... That, so I think that's very I think that's a very very important point. Once you take somebody out of this controlled schedule, they have a moment away. They have a moment to breathe. They have a moment to think for themselves for just a moment. And I think that is a big part of it, Tony. I think you're right. Absolutely right. I I, I yeah. think there is another thing too, which is there's also no ethics officer or sec checkers at home, meaning. You, you're not being interrogated about what you're up to every right. day like yes. you are when you go into an organization. Sure. When, and there are people looking at you and going, oh, or you, you, know, you make a comment that's an inappropriate comment or you do something or you're late or you're whatever. The next thing, you end up sitting in front of the ethics officer interrogating you about what you're up to. Right. And have you been looking at the internet? And, and have Scientologists, you, been- uh, you know, feel that they can't lie to Scientologists or right. to their ethics officer because this is almost like a parent, right? This is almost like the parent that, if I was to explain what an ethics officer is, everybody in Scientology, no matter how old you are, has to report to mommy or daddy. And these are usually 16-year-old kids in, in military uniforms dictating to you what what you're going to get as a reward or punishment. They're like your primary caretakers. I mean, could you imagine a 50-year-old man or woman going in to be yelled at because you overslept or you decided to have a drink or you decided to go visit your mother or child and you're like, I didn't feel like being here today. They're like, what? What the fuck is going on with you? Sit down. Pick up these cans. What are you looking at? Are you anti-Scientology? Um, are you looking at anti- oh, What are your evil intentions towards David Miscavige? What are your evil intentions towards Elvard Hubbard? Like, it's, in, it's that insane, you guys. Like, for simply not wanting to be there. I, I believe it. I, I, think, I think one of the most remarkable things I learned from your book was that while you were filming... King of Queens, you were still going into the Celebrity Center every night. Yeah. So it's that level of control is suddenly taken away. Right. And these Scientologists right. suddenly have a lot of time on their own. I, and I, yes. I, so that's one side of it. The, the, yes. the, the, the systems of control have broken down to a certain extent in the Church of Scientology. Now, there's another whole side to it, and that is the health crisis itself, the virus. Now, if you remember when we were first hearing about the pandemic in the early yeah. parts of March, 2020, it was that one week when on the, I think it was a Wednesday was the same day we learned that Tom Hanks had tested positive for COVID and the NBA announced it was shutting down the whole season. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when it got real for a lot of people. That was Wednesday, March 11th. Mm-hmm. What happens on Friday, March 13th? Mm-hmm. L. Ron Hubbard's birthday. And that night they had the celebration scheduled in Clearwater, Florida, one of the five most holy days on the Scientology calendar. And they had to cancel at the last second, one of the most important events. David Miscavige was livid. He put together this document, this secret bulletin. He then required everybody to come down to the org to read it in person. They could because he wasn't going to put it online or anything like that. 
I still somehow got a man. I managed to get a copy anyway. And in that secret bulletin, David Miscavige announced that, that COVID was a planetary bull bait. Could you explain what that is to people? Uh, you know what? I think you guys could probably explain it better than I could. What what he means by planetary bull bait. What did that mean to you, Mike? Bull bait is the term that's used in Scientology to describe uh, what happens in the, in the TR training routines that Scientologists undergo to train to be an auditor, where you are baited literally by someone sitting opposite you with uh, statements, actions, or whatever they can to get you to break down in some way, to laugh, to be embarrassed, to react in some fashion. And this is a term now that, that has come to mean in Scientology, like stuff that is, that is happening that is intended to distract you from the job at hand. Like a bull bait is something that is not forwarding what we're trying to get done, but is seeking to hinder it. So it's a distraction. It's bullshit. And basically what he was saying, like, hold the line, everybody. This COVID thing, the pandemic is some bullshit. Stay the course, man. Stay the course. What he did was really interesting. He he grabbed that basic advice that the CDC was putting out at that point. Wash your hands, wear a mask, stay six feet apart. Right. That was the first thing we started hearing in March 2020. And they put together a booklet, the Stay Well program from the Church of Scientology. Now, nothing in there had not already been said by health officials for weeks. But Miscavige wanted to look like the Church of Scientology was on the forefront of saving people from the pandemic. And they put out thousands and thousands of these booklets all around the world. They had their parishioners put on this whole hazmat outfit and go to police stations and offer to sanitize them and all this stuff. And this completely went against the grain for a lot of Scientologists. They didn't want to do this kind of thing. So it was a very odd thing that Miscavige was putting on a show as if Scientology was really going to fight this virus when most Scientologists don't even believe in viruses. Right. And it was a very <laughs> bizarre approach. And I wasn't sure how that was going to turn out. Well, now this insider has come forward and says how it has worked out is truly bizarre. Because, and I think the insider didn't say this, but I, you know, you and I know David Miscavige has pretty severe asthma and it's something he's had his whole life. And I think he's terrified by the virus. I, I'm, I'm asthmatic, mildly, and I can tell you, I took, it, I took things very seriously, and I'm boosted, and I, you know, I cannot risk my health with this virus, and, and, I don't, and I barely have any asthma. I can't imagine somebody's strong asthma. He's probably terrified of this thing. So what the insider says has happened is there's been this bizarre, super strict regime in the orgs where they literally sanitize the place from top to bottom using this Decon 7 toxic cleaner to the point where people are getting sick from the decontaminant. Because it's toxic. Because, because, it's because they overdo right. it. They overdo right. because we, and we Well, learned, because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Yes. You know, we learned fairly early on, it's not the surfaces that are going to get you. It's somebody coughing on you. That That's the important thing is everyone wear masks and, you don't need to, like, when you bring your groceries home, wipe them down with sanitizer, which some people were doing initially. 
You don't need to do that. But Scientology is still play acting and using this decontaminant. Well, I, I don't think it should surprise anybody that that Scientology is, again, putting itself forward as as a you know, experts in the field of how to deal with COVID because this is, uh, we're basing L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics, which is, you know, still very much mandatory reading in Scientology as uh, a book that uh, helps people with their mental health. I mean, Scientology is not in the field of mental health. They know nothing about the field of the mind or uh, they don't uh, address or even acknowledge depression, <laughs> real science. So it, it, this is not shocking to me. You're talking about people, Tony, who uh, believe that they have entities, um, that, you know, that you're creating a person who is talking to people that don't exist. Right? I mean, right, Mike? I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good, good way of good way of putting it. I, I also got to just chime in here that people need to understand that in the world of Scientology, there is only one thing that is important. That is what David Miscavige thinks is important. Mm -hmm. That is it. So if David Miscavige believes that it is important for him to be safe from the virus, mm -hmm. because if he goes the whole the whole empire collapses. Yeah. He has a very high opinion of himself. <laughs> then everything will be done to make sure that that is everyone's priority. And I mean, everyone's right. So this, this is why I said in the beginning, this all rings very true to me. It matches what has happened in other circumstances where there was some crazy you know, Miscavige would get some crazy hair up his butt about something and everything would change based mm -hmm. on that. Right. And everybody was required to now follow a different pattern because he decided X, Y, or Z. Right. And this is, uh, you know, I, I see all of these, these stories and reports about what's going on. And I go, yep, that makes sense. Yep. I can see that. But exactly. for example, what you're talking about, what you guys are talking about, um, anybody who was uh, found to have been violating these these new crazy protocols that were set forth by David Stavage, they were hit with with um, uh, reprimands, right? They were in uh, uh, what's called a committee of evidence, which is kind of like a Scientology court martial, right? But this is like the highest form of justice that Scientology doles out. If you're, if you're under a committee of evidence, you're a piece of shit. I mean, you are, you got the scarlet letter. I mean, it's right. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, absolutely. And Tony, I want to talk to you about what a class five org is and uh, talk about that. Those shut down. However, the C organization, could you, could you decipher in English because you're not a Scientologist, you, you don't get caught in the same <laughs> web as Mike and I where we start talking Scientologies. But can you explain to people what the Class 5 org is? Well, my understanding, uh, you guys know this stuff better than I do, but my understanding is that each big city in the world is mm -hmm. supposed to have a church of Scientology that's sort of the front-facing facility for the public, and that's a class five org. So Phoenix has one, and Kansas City has one, and you know Boston has one. 
And then over the last 18 years, David Miscavige has been having his followers raise huge amounts of money to transform a normal class five org into an ideal org, which is just a more expensive, uh, more elaborate, larger facility. Um, but that's that's what, that's where you will generally first encounter Scientology in a city outside one of its headquarters. As opposed to as opposed to what? Like, let's take a celebrity center, for example, in California or a celebrity center in California or the flag land base. in Clearwater, Yeah. So what's Florida. the difference between that and a class five org? So, like I said, the class five org, my understanding is it's in a place like, you know, Phoenix or Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, a headquarters of Scientology, but, you know, it's a big city and it needs a main sort of church of Scientology that then feeds back to the big headquarters in Los Angeles or Clearwater um, and where the Sea Org operates or does that, am I getting that right? Yeah. And the Sea Org members work full-time, live communally and are, are essentially just uh, like, a, you know, priests in the, the Vatican. They, they, that's all they do at a class five org, the stuff there live in their own houses or with their parents or uh, they're, they're expected to, you know, find their own food and healthcare and all that sort of stuff. And they never have enough money to do it, but that's what is expected. They are not living communally. So they're not Sea Org members. members are. Right. They're run by the Sea Org from right. above, but the individual members who staff up those class five orgs are not Sea Org members. That's exactly right. Got That's it. That's exactly okay. right. They, they sign a two and a half or five year contract of, you know, servitude to their local organization. Okay. And in these class five orgs during this pandemic, they were made to sign contracts, basically, that said if they got COVID, that they would be held, they would be court-martialed, basically, in a Scientology court. Is that true? That's what this person said. Right. And the insider says that people, people are getting commed for any kind of illness because they're so, you know, they have, they literally created a stat. You know how Scientology is all about statistics and stats. Yes. And they actually created a stat for zero illness, a day with zero illness at the org. And so anybody that comes in with the sniffles, They've just yeah. ruined the, the class five org stat for the day. And they right. are getting they you know, hell's coming down. No, that's hell to pay. So he, he's the insider paints the picture of Scientology already dealing with the problems mm-hmm. that people aren't coming in and spending money, but that the right. people who are there are put under this whole new set of strictures. And I, it just feels like, I mean, Scientology is always a pressure cooker. All people are always under pressure and in control and extreme fundraising. But it seems like now it's just gotten so bad. And the other thing, Tony, I want to add before you move on is, you know, people are getting uh, these justice actions taken against them for being sick or, you know, for getting COVID. But just for the average parishioner, let's just take an average parishioner like me. If I got sick and I I called in and I said, I can't come in today, they'd go, why? You know, and I'd say, oh, I got a cold. I'd get in trouble for that cold. They wouldn't be like, oh, rest. They'd be like, well, you need to come in and see the ethics officer 
And I would be basically punished for getting sick because Scientologists believe that if you get sick, it's because you're doing something that they don't know about that's undisclosed or you're connected to um, suppressive people or looking at suppressive things online and you got yourself sick. I mean, yeah. so it's no, this is no different than the average day in a Scientologist life. You, you get in trouble for getting sick. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Yeah. Absolutely true. And so you're talking about class five orgs. And then you also mentioned ideal orgs and this heavy fundraising that's been going on since the inception of Scientology. I mean, right. like Mike mentioned at the very top, we're talking about registrars. You know, these are sales teams. You know, they read big league sales. You, they get drilled on how to not take no for an answer. I mean, this is an everyday existence for Scientologists. Come up with the money. People are banging on the table. Why don't you have the money to pay for this? Do you have a house? Do you have something you could sell? Do you have, like, give me your credit card. I'll call and make believe I'm you. I mean, this is every day. But tell me now about this ideal org scam on top of the fucking book sale scam, the fucking basic scam, the, the what is the other thing? Mike? I, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whatever yeah yeah i started about 2003 i think and uh when i first interviewed mike render we talked about this and where where it might have come yeah. from but david miscavige got this idea that the normal class five org in a, in a city just isn't good enough and he wanted something that um was more you know impressive but I, the, another important thing i think to that is going on with the ideal orgs on one level is that when you talk to people who got into Scientology in the 60s and 70s and ask them how they first got in, what you always hear about is the human interaction that, you know, you, they yeah. ran into some really cool people that told them some interesting things. And it's always about that one-to-one -one thing. And then, you know, they can even tell you the name of the person that first turned, you, turned them on to Scientology. David Miscavige does not trust his people to sell Scientology that way. He wants to create an ideal org that's got these museum-like settings with these all these screens everywhere showing videos to explain Scientology. He does. He wants machines to bring in science people from Scientology. He does not trust his own people. And so that's what an ideal org is like. You walk in, it's really impressive. There's all these screens everywhere telling different stories. And he thinks that's going to bring in more people. Now the ins and you know, Mike and I have been reporting on this for years and years about yeah. the, the incredible amounts of money. And one of my favorite episodes of your series was when you had on Burt Shippers, who talked about the real financial scam behind the ideal orgs. That was an incredible episode. Well, the insider gave us some more info that built on what Burt Shippers had said, and maybe more from the David Miscavige side about how these ideal orgs are not just major fundraising opportunities for Scientology, but that they are designed to raise a ton of money for David Miscavige and then basically die. And so he's got to keep doing new ones because each one raises a ton of money, but then they just, they all become moribund right away. But that's built in. He knows that. Miscavige knows that. That's why he's got to keep doing new ones. Again, I think that's why it's tough on science, the pandemic stuff on Scientology, because they haven't opened a new ideal org since Ventura in February 2020. Now they've got right. several ready to go. Uh, Austin's ready to go. Chicago's ready to go. Um, there's a few others that are getting close and he's, he's pushing and pushing and pushing on them to get them to raise money. 
And the insider explained the sort of financial part about what a huge amount of cash it raises from a scavenge in the short term. And then, of course, just becomes useless. And, you know, when we're talking about ideal orgs, guys, we're talking about an already existing building that has cost millions and millions of dollars. And they put their tax exempt money into renovating that building. And then they raise per on top of that, they raise money from parishioners again, who are already paying, you know, 500,000 to a million dollars to pay for Scientology uh, for their services. He's raising hundreds of millions of dollars to make these buildings. I mean, um, the, the marble and glossy and the highest technology and these and these things you're talking about, Tony, these uh, computers that are telling the story uh, because, you know, Scientology staff can't. Um, and uh, it sits empty. These buildings sit empty. They they uh, they win the birthday game after the first year. And the insider explained how they have an unfair advantage and why they will win the birthday game. So it seems like it's a success. You have the grand opening, Miscavige flies in, you have this event, then they win the birthday game. And that that is just every year on L. Ron Hubbard's birthday, they announce who's brought in the most money. It's just, a, you know, who can bring in the most money. And the right. new org will win because it has an unfair advantage. And so that seems to cement for the donors. Oh, we'll see. Once you open an ideal org, it's going to go crazy. But right. then but then they just die. You know, you go back in the, a year later it's and empty. there are more of them. It's empty. Yeah. Right. They're not servicing... The public, right? I mean, this is the purpose, supposed to be the purpose of having tax exemption is that you are serving the communities. You are doing something of value and these buildings literally are collecting dust. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you consider uh, the homeless um, crisis in America and you think about these hunt, like these buildings that are beautiful and glossy and just sitting empty. empty. And the, the, what the insider has done with the, the information about the ideologues is just confirm, as Tony said, what we have covered over mm-hmm. and over and over and, and alluding back to what I said in the beginning, this, this source of information about New York org shows that that one of the first ideal orgs, one of the biggest ideal orgs, one of the most important ideal orgs, one of the best located ideal orgs, owes $200,000 to the electricity company. They can't pay their bills. They can't keep the air conditioning going. They are delivering like 25 auditing hours a week. They should be delivering thousands, according to Hubbard. Mm-hmm. And this scam of ideologues is perhaps the biggest ongoing scam that has been perpetrated in the history right. of Scientology. And then, and then the ironic thing is, yeah. if you dare to write a yeah. story, and by the way, mm-hmm. but besides the bunker, I also just want to point out, I've been writing for the Daily Beast for the last year. Those have been some fun pieces. But see, but but that's what the, it's funny to me that, you know, they know that this is just a pump and dump scheme that is getting millions and millions of, of yep. dollars out of their people. They know that right. it's a failing, a failure that the ideal orgs sit empty. And yet that's what they always complain about is that, oh, your newspaper didn't report on our ideal. Org. No, no, no. They, Tony, <laughs> they don't complain. This is a campaign. They 
they they know that nobody can report on Scientology in the way that they would want. I mean, listen, Scientology, why don't you actually help some fucking people? Maybe you would have people coming in. I mean, that's just not a fucking an idea in their mind. Maybe we should try to help. Maybe we should try to serve the public. Maybe we should be more church-like. This is not even a thought. Yep, yep, you're right. I mean, when I had my meeting, and you know this, Tony, I I talked to you for five hours when I left Scientology, and I told you about my meeting with Dave Miscavige, and I said, this is what I'm reading, Dave. I'm reading that people are going broke. He goes, who? (laughs) I go, who's going broke, Dave? My own fucking mother. Who's going broke? You want names? In the next in the next event, say who is in debt because of Scientology? He goes, well, that that's ridiculous. Anyway, let me show you the renderings for the next ideal org. Literally, that 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 is what he said. Let's talk about going broke because that's another thing uh, we've heard. I've had a number of just like I said, I I feel like we've reached some sort of tipping point. I posted it, and I said, look, I said, I said, look, I I can't vouch for the. Um, you know, authenticity of this, but I wanted to post uh, it to see if I got any reaction. You know who was one of the first people to contact me and say, Tony, that's real. I went through it was Mark Flad, who was on your show. Remember Mark and his wife, they had the terrible story about yes, how Scientology yes. had Orange ripped, County. They had yes. ripped them off so badly and they they, they made them pay like thirty five thousand dollars for a clear package. And it ended yep. up they had to they had to sell her mother's home i mean it was horrible mark flad contacted me and said tony this is exactly what they did to me they did the chase wave to me they put these credit cards that's why they had to sell the house and i also had another person come forward with their name go on the record to say not only had they witnessed the chase wave but the what what multiple people have told me is that from 2016 around about 2019 this was all the rage for the registrars and the registrars were yeah. getting all these chase waves on people, getting multiple credit cards, getting them 60 to a hundred thousand dollars in debt. It got so bad. These witnesses are claiming chase shut it down. Now I haven't gotten anybody at chase to confirm yeah. that from their side for me, but my witnesses say that it got so bad chase itself shut down Scientology and shut down the chase wave. So look, I have put these things out. I've put names. I've put documents. And my question, Leah, is what the hell does the FBI need? My God. Balls? I guess. A vagina? I don't know. I should stop saying <laughs> balls because, you know, I in, in, in our time of exposing Scientology, Tony, you know, Mike, you can confirm this. I have not dealt with one woman. And I mean, that's really what I could. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to attribute the failure to do a fucking thing that's effective is because so far I've had to deal with fucking men, police officers, detectives, the FBI. They're all fucking men. And not a goddamn one of them has done anything. What are you laughing at? Like, well, and you, you know, you. that's a good point, because the last <laughs> FBI, the last person in the FBI who did take this seriously was yes, a woman, was a female. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Good point. And I'm not saying all men are bad. Listen, you guys serve Thank purposes. You. Yeah, no, listen, I love men. <laughs> I love men. I want to say that. 
I'm talking specifically about my experience with trying to get anyone to do anything so far has been with men who have zero courage. Zero courage. And I, 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 Tony, I can't explain it any other way. I agree with uh, you. That's what when I- we're talking about. The criminal investigation department of the IRS fucking men. I, this is what I tell people. People ask me, I said, isn't there evidence that Scientology is, you know, violating its IRS agreement and committing crimes? Yes. I said, there's all yes. kinds of evidence. That's not the point. The point, right. uh, and I'll never forget. There's a guy named Mike Rinder. He told me this one time about five or six years yeah. ago. It's perfect. Okay. He said, he said, yeah. Tony, if you want to understand why somebody at the IRS or somebody at the FBI doesn't do something, you have to understand as a middle manager who's got FBI agents under them or prosecutors under them, they are the ones who get to make the call about whether to launch an investigation, whether to launch prosecution. They have to make a calculation. Are they ready for the rest of their career to be fighting Scientology? Because that's what's, what it's going to be. They know it's going to take 10 years. But it's, it's not true. But it's not true. I mean, it's just. It is true, unfortunately. You see how enraged I get? You two just kind of are so used to dealing with this. <laughs> I feel I'm still new at the outrage of it. And so I get so crazy. It drives me insane. It well, literally drives me insane. Part, a part of my theory. I mean, I agree with Mike yeah. that these, these managers are struggling with the fact that this is going to take the rest of their careers. The other thing is, you know, the IRS is in a very weakened position now than it was 20 years ago. It's in bad shape. Uh, and I have a feeling they might be waiting for Scientology to get weaker before they do something. And so my message now is, it's never been this week. I mean, Scientology is in bad shape because of the pandemic. And there's no reason for the government to be waiting now when we're putting information online about these elaborate financial crimes with I'm putting I'm bringing forward, you know, witnesses who are using their names. This is not just like insiders. Right. Tony, anonymous. There is no shortage like you're you're specifying like at least five people, right? That could that they're naming names. They're saying I've done this, I've experienced this, right? There's uh, confessionals all over the internet from Scientology registrars right. who go back to the '70s saying this is what we were doing. This shit was illegal. They're still doing it. I know. There's every Scientologist has experienced this. Every Scientologist, maybe not with Chase specifically, but I mean, you, you know, Tony, that this happened with Amex, right? Like back in the eighties, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where they, where people started doing chargebacks on their Amex cards because they had been, the stuff had been taken off their Amex cards without their permission. And as you know, if you, if someone does that to a credit card, you can call a credit card company and say, I didn't authorize this and they will charge it back to the vendor. In other words, they drag the money back from the vendor right. and it's called a chargeback. And when you have too many chargebacks, what happens is it, it becomes an alert. And then at one point in the eighties, Amex, refused to, uh, they, they withdrew the merchant accounts of AOLA and some other organizations in Los Angeles for abusing the privilege of being able to charge on their credit cards. Mm -hmm. This is exactly the same thing, except it's in a much grander scale. What One thing Tony hasn't mentioned yet, which is, is part of this insider report, was this really started 
after the the great handling that Miscavige did on Los Angeles Org in 2014. Los Angeles was always considered to be the most important class five organization on earth, and it was always a big fucking failure. Miscavige got sick of it, and he sent 200 Sea Org members in to take over the Los Angeles Org and turn it into effectively the model class five organization, which is always been sort of amusing to me because there's no other class five org in the world where you can send 200 Sea Org members to take it over. But those people went in there and they started heavy, heavy, heavy stat push, which is the Scientology term for just ridiculous pressure to get more this week than last week. And they made a lot of money. They were making $500,000 a week in Los Angeles Org, according to this insider. Miscavige went, oh, look at this. My, my solution to Los Angeles Org has been a success beyond all measure. We are now going to bring people in from all, from all Class 5 Orgs around the world and teach them how to make their Org make $500,000 a week. Well. They all learned how to do this credit card scam and then took it back to every org in the world to do exactly the same thing in their local environment. And the best confirmation of this is that one of the people who went to LA Org to do this apprenticeship program was Jeannie Franks, Jeannie Sonnenfield, who had actually formerly been the executive director of LA Org and a failure. She had been sent to Cincinnati. She got pregnant with her husband and was sent to Cincinnati to run Cincinnati Org. And she exported this bullshit to Cincinnati. Well, it turns out she not only exported it to everybody else, she did it herself. She wrecked up $150,000 worth of credit card bills and had to file bankruptcy. Now, she didn't rack up those credit card bills paying for Scientology services. She wrecked them up to live the high life or whatever she was doing. But still, somehow, uh, the list of her creditors is astonishing. It is just this one after the other. I put it on my blog. I will link to it here. It's yeah. one after the other of all these credit unions, banks, credit card companies mm -mm. that she has taken out loans from and just defaulted on. And can I tell you, can I just say one thing, Mikey? Yeah. I, I just I, I just want to remind people that these people, that, so she's an exception, right? Because not 99.9% of Scientologists are doing this to pay for their services. Yes. So she is actually an exception because she, most Scientologists, like, you, you know, I'm just going to reiterate this. They are living below their means because they are paying for Scientology. They are taking these loans out and getting these credit cards to pay for their religious services. And Correct. these are, again, prepaid. They are heavily, Scientologists are under such duress every day by their church to pay for this, pay for your next service. 
Not only are you demanded to pay for your services and pay for them in advance, if you have uh, the money or the credit available, or they'll make it so, they start regging you, you know, giving you the sales pitch or demanding that you pay for your children's bridge in the future. <laughs> I have so much money on account. Now, I'm one of the lucky ones, I got to say. I have so much money on accounts for my daughter and Angelo and my sister that of services that they're never going to do. And you times me by thousands and thousands of people you could imagine the last figure on reserve was from Matt Pesh in the 1980s who saw the figure of money that wasn't used of parishioners who either died or left Scientology. The, the figure, guys, in the 80s was about $200 million of people's money just sitting there that they can't get back. And we have been unable to find people to help these people. That's just on that. That's just on the reserves of money people can never get back. Right. Well, there is one. There is one attorney that's that's had some success on that. That's Graham Barry. Maybe some senator will listen to this. Maybe yeah. some congressperson somewhere. Maybe someone who's the brother of someone in the IRS will listen to it and go, "Fuck! Something needs to happen." Or a sister or a congresswoman, yeah. <laughs> Pref- preferably. Yes, preferably, I hear you. I got preferably. it. Yes. I got it. What what this person is, this insider has done and the, the person who was leaking me information is basically confirming so much of the reporting that has been done over the last 5, 10, 15 years of what really is going on inside Scientology. Like a lot of people have looked at Tony Ortega's site or my blog posts and gone, yeah, well, it's okay to speculate, but how do we know it's really true? Because we see, and you know, I tend to read a lot of tea leaves out of things. Like, And I don't mean that just guessing. I mean, I look at something and I go, okay, I know what's going on here. Even if the... The details of everything are not forthcoming. Mm-hmm. I can pretty much garner what ha- what is actually happening. And the same thing with Tony. And we have been reporting on the decline of Scientology mm-hmm. and the state of the orgs and the finances and the criminal registration that's going on, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. What is, what is so remarkable about what has come out in the last couple of months is just how exactly it tracks everything that has been being said. It, it's like it's like someone uh, sat down and went, okay, uh, I'm just going to come out now and confirm all of what I, I've seen on, on Tony Ortega's blog or Mike Rinder's blog or even back to Marty Rathman's blog. Like, this is, this is confirming this stuff, and I think it's it's – really worth anybody who is interested in this subject of Scientology and fair game and the criminality and what is the government not paying attention to, to take a look. I I will have links to all of these articles that Tony has written on the 
you know, fair game podcast and my blog so that everybody can go read through these things because it's been a, this is a, it's been a remarkable few months because both at Mike's side and mine, because there are people, like I said, coming forward now who might not have before, they've just so exhausted by it. They're so just beat down by the situation in there and they're coming forward. They're coming forward with documents. I've got another new document coming out in a couple of days that is also going to confirm one part of what the insider was saying. Uh, I mean, it's not just the insider. It's, it's what's what I'm calling him, but there's, there's other people coming forward with other parts confirming it. And I, I, you know, I don't have anybody coming forward saying, no, that's all wrong. It's something else. Nobody is doing that. So it's, it's an interesting time. Like I said, I feel like we've turned a corner and I think it's thanks to the pandemic. I think the pandemic has really hurt Scientology. Um, And you know, the other thing, if I can bring this up, is another product of the pandemic was that, remember I said at the beginning, Dave wanted people to send in a picture of themselves with a Hubbard book. They followed that up with sending a video where you're talking about Scientology and how you're getting through the pandemic. They have posted more than 2,000 videos from Scientologists around the world talking about, you know, uh, it's called Scientology at Home. With them and you know talking at home with their book and what they're going through. Now that might sound like a lot, but remember they claim to have millions and millions of members. So two thousand videos isn't really that many. And uh, Scientology put out an ad, a TV ad in twenty twelve, where they said there were four point four million new members a year. A year, right? A year. And right. uh, and we you Re- know, realize Tony, there's another there's another sort of subtle aspect to these videos and all this stuff about reading L. Ron Hubbard books at home. Every Scientologist has learned that it is now a good and acceptable excuse to not go into a Scientology organization or talk to a registrar because all they have to do is say, I'm doing an extension course at home. Yeah, I'm. I am actually an active Scientologist doing my extension course at home. Right, and so, I want. I want to tell everybody: reading a Scientology bulletin or doing a course at home is literally forbidden. So this um, what, what, little gift that was given to people is completely off of L. Ron Hubbard's policy on how to do a course in Scientology. And again, I, I agree with you, Tony. I think. People have been at home, not under duress, not having somebody behind you, if you sneeze, tapping you on the shoulder, going, come into another room. You're not allowed to sneeze when you're reading L. Ron Hubbard. You're not allowed to blink. You're not allowed to yawn. You're going to get in trouble. And so you're literally studying being brainwashed in Scientology while under duress and supervision. Right. I mean, it's it's crazy. So you have somebody, you're hiding that you're yawning because you know you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> And I think people being at home was like, you know, I, I I would love to be able to do, you know, my reading without this kind of supervision uh, under, you know, military watch. You know, um, I shouldn't even say military watch because I don't want to give people the idea that it's. Um, well, I mean, what's a better way to describe that, Mike? It's 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 like you're in prison. You're it's an odd way to administer what you're calling a religion. Uh, very odd. It, it it's it's more like you know, it's sort of like the 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 image that always comes to mind for me is like Dickens, and the the guys that are standing over the kids, you know, 
slaving away in the in the coal mines or something and yes. there's there's the uh hunched over ogre that stands yes. over them making sure that they're that they're not taking one second to to right. ha- take a breath right it's that is what it's like inside a Scientology organization and, as a and, parishioner as an anything yeah but I mean, I just, I, I just sometimes uh, we're so inside of it, Mike, that we forget how insane and how how much trauma is received at a very young age when it comes to learning, when it comes to receiving the so called religion is done under. I mean, I, 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 every time I think about being, you know, in the course room, I imagine somebody behind me with a gun to my head. Like that is my memory. It's any wonder that I am going back to school, like putting myself through, you know, more studying, but, you know, to be able to be home reading my book, to be just told, like, read this, nobody's checking, you know, did you yawn during this? You know, what does this word mean? Looking up every word you don't understand, using them in sentences, doing clay demonstrations, you know, like it, it's, oh, and I, and, anyway. and besides the fact that there's not somebody over your shoulder, the other yes. thing, the other thing that's difficult, I think the miscavige understands is that if people are at home, they're not coming to the org, that means they have a little more time to look around and see what people are yes. saying about Scientology. Yeah. So that's that becomes dangerous for them once they start to see that. Wait a minute, we're not the fastest growing religion in the world, and we're not <laughs> well regarded. And I mean, things that seem obvious to those of yes. us outside are yes. not obvious to them, and it, is, it can right. become a shock to them to find yes. out that Scientology has now become a joke on virtually every television show. Now, I mean, it seems like every yeah. new series has to have some kind of Scientology joke on it. I know because I get sent them every single time one shows up on TV. Right, I'm like, right. I, you know, every show is going to do this. So please don't, t- I don't right. care. But uh, right. but to Scientologists, it must be shocking to them. They're they're getting a view outside of Scientology now, I think. And that's very bad for David Scott. and And also just to add to that, I think they're looking up and seeing their children and seeing their lives and like, why am I living and like, like this? Why... You know, my, my kid went from five to 20 overnight and I was on course and I, you know, I'm living in this shit place when I could be living a little bit better because I'm spending all my money on Scientology and, you know, having no friends, having no degrees, having no, you know, like you're saying, Mike, no, there, there's no social security. There's nothing to retire on. There's nothing, you know, uh, it, it's, I think you're right, Tony. It's just giving people a breath to just kind of look for themselves, which is what's so insane about Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard pretends to be uh, in what he writes, you know, look for yourself and know for yourself. And, you know, this is what we're teaching here. And it's just the opposite. You know, it's just the opposite. It's don't look, don't listen uh, and do what we say. And um, I think you're right. It's it's. As horrific it has been uh, for for people, I mean, you know, there's there's been horrible things that have come out of this. People are dying uh, alone, and uh, but in in this case, you know, with Scientology and cults like it, you know, I think it's given people a moment. You know, I think people are changing their careers uh, because they're seeing what the fuck have I done my whole life? You know, like, it, and they're starting to say, well, why do I got to go to an office? I mean, I could be home doing this. I could. You know, so I, I think there's some good things. It, that have come it, it's out. an interesting yeah. moment of reassessment for everyone yes. 
And yes. that's the last thing Scientology wants is for people to reassess yes. their lives. Yes. Right, right, right. I agree. The Scientology agree. sells certainty and these are uncertain times and it's, you yes. know, very tough, tough for Scientology. I agree. I agree. And I think collectively we've all uh, had a hand in it. You know I mean? Like, <clears throat> like I said at the beginning, you've been doing this long before us. There are people before you ex- trying to expose Scientology. There wasn't the internet at the time. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a collective. We're all in this together. You know, a win for somebody who, uh, you know, is not directly involved in this case or that case where it involves Scientology. It's a win for all. You know, we're all kind of like in this, like we all want everybody to win in this and for justice to be served and for Scientology to finally have its day where it's being seen as the criminal organization that it is. And um, Tony, thank you for your continued work. Uh, Mike, you'll put up uh, Tony's blog. We'll put up these. Uh, oh, everything we've talked about. I'll have it on there. Yes. And and Tony's books. He's written two books. And yes. uh, thank you, Tony, again, for, for what you do. We really appreciate it's it. It's so fun. Thank you for having me on. I just love the stuff you do. Thank you. Same. And guys, if you have, like Mike said, I mean, he didn't say this, but I'm saying it. <laughs> if you guys have a sister, an aunt, a mother who's in the Department of Justice, the IRS, the FBI, a local police department, please, please have her look at going clear at our websites, listen to our podcast. And, and, and just, if you can, just, uh, we just want this to end. I mean, we would all really, truly like to move on with our lives. Please, please, please. female. Thank you. I Listen, I'll take a man. Listen, it's not even that I'm excluding men. You know, if, if you're a man with any fucking courage, please, do your job. Thank you. Until next Thank time. You. <laughs> Bye-bye.